This is the Pretzel Podcast from Creative Mornings Munich, and I am your host, Marco Lindgren. Our guest today talked about the theme matriarchy on the Creative Mornings Munich virtual event on June 2021. She is long-term media professional who has launched various TV channels and a streaming service in the German market and been responsible for the content, marketing and brand for them. Welcome to the show, Katja Hofer. Hello, nice to be here. Uh, your, the theme of your talk was matriarchy. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say, if you would have to say it in a couple of sentences, what was the key mes- message of your talk? The key message uh, in my talk was that uh, we have to do something about female leadership in the media industry in Germany. We have to get better here because this is how I interpret matriarchy is female leadership for me. But it's not about only having one or the other. So matriarchy versus patriarchy. It's about mapatriarchy. So both of them are equally important, but we are still lacking a lot of improvement when it comes to the matriarchal part. What what made you choose this kind of approach to the theme? Um, because, I mean, basically it is a very, very current uh, topic at the moment. Uh, we see, unfortunately, a decline in female leadership positions especially in my my industry that I uh, used to work in for 25 years. Um, and it's something that is really very important to myself, for me. And I've always took a very close look at this uh, during my career. And um, I was a little bit disappointed uh, to see that all the talks about uh, voluntarily working on getting more female talent into leadership positions, it There's not enough that's happening, and especially now seeing uh, some really strong and great female leaders leaving their positions in the market. I think even more, it becomes very apparent that um, yeah, something has to happen. Yeah, so all this talk about equality sounds more like a lip service than when mm. actually no real actions happen. Uh, you mentioned, I think it was a very interesting point, was that you said that 15,000 years ago, uh, we were more advanced when it comes to the female leadership. Uh, can you elaborate <laughs> yeah, that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a social scientist or uh, an archaeological expert on this field, but what I was reading is that matriarchy was quite a, form, a common form of tribal leadership uh, in former times, and still some very ancient living uh, tribes do have it installed until the very day, like in India or in China. Um, But somehow in the Western countries, uh, in the Western world, in Europe, especially, um, it has not survived at all. It has been like really the opposite for a thousand of years now, or more or less the last 500 years, I would say. And um, so I, I found that very, very interesting and inspiring at the same time and something that I think uh, we can all look back to and say you know maybe uh, culture wouldn't have evolved like it has had done without the female leadership then uh, back in those times and so it's always something good and uh, we should really embrace that topic as being a positive one. Uh, what, what what would you say what do you think that uh, caused that kind of uh, uh, decline uh, in the female leadership if we take first the, the ancient times and then what happened why why did the female lost sort of the leadership position 
definitely when I was reading that, I was thinking, you know, I have to learn more about that to be more um, more an expert in talking about that. And my only assumption would be, especially with the industrialization and uh, men working a lot um, and, and working in factories and women had to stay at home and taking care of the kids, especially. I mean, just look at the time after World War II. When I think really after World War II, there would have been a great chance also for female leadership because they have been running their families, uh, uh, their uh, the companies when the men were uh, fighting in war. So, but immediately they went back to, okay, I'm a housewife. I stay here. I take ho- care of my home and my kids. And that was sort of a common thing that was accepted. And I mean, you just have to watch those commercials of the 50s. I mean, like the main thing for a woman is to stay home and to make her husband happy (laughs) in every respect. And that means he has clean clothes. That means he has a great dinner every night when he comes back from his hard day of work because she didn't do anything hard. And she looks pretty in her apron. So I think that sort of attitude uh, was not helping uh, the whole topic. And that's only 70 years ago. So that's not that far away. And I mean, looking where we came from and how many years, it, uh, hundreds of years it, it took. Um, I think that's something that definitely went into the wrong direction. And only in the 70s, 80s, there was sort of that uh, starting of awareness that we have a topic here. But now, now you say see uh, again like a decline in in the leadership. What what, what do you think uh, that is coming from? Um, I think it has various reasons, and uh, it's also you have to look at each and every industry and and each and every company. I think some companies are doing a really great job here, and are really having that uh, topic on top of their agendas and uh, are investing also a lot in especially female, um, yeah, talent, uh, female talent support and and yeah development. I think that uh, in many cases, it's just that women are not loud enough when it comes to, you know, I have the skill set, I have the possibilities. Yes, I have three kids, uh, but I can do that job because no man leader, no male leader is asked, oh, how do you do your job with three kids? I was just reading an interview the other day and um, this uh, business lady, she said, you know, it's it's so crazy because many interviews just start with a question. Wow, you have three kids. How do you manage that? How do you make uh, it possible that you are traveling that much? And she said, you know, it's really hard to react to that question because I have three panelists sitting next to me. They're all male. One has four kids. The other has two kids. And Nobody would even dare to ask that question. And she said, you know, the best reaction is either to ignore it and to start talking about the topic of the panel or just to say, oh, yeah, well, I do it this way. But how do you do it? And asking directly the male panelist about it. So I think um, this is an imminent thing that's really so deep down in our society right now that uh, we have to really fight for it and make make sure that you know even if you have children or even if you don't have children if you have a dog if you have parents you still can do that job because you have the skill set 
And then it also comes to uh, flexibility in working hours, which is very important, of course, um, for and especially for for women to really manage uh, everything. Um, and uh, I think Corona, as it was a horrible thing, or still is a horrible crisis. If there's a one little good thing that I can see in here, it's uh, okay. The the openness for home office, working remotely, working flexible hours, has increased a lot, and uh, bosses are now more more willing to see. You know, you know what? She does not have to be in the office from nine to six o'clock to be a great leader. She can also be a great leader working from home. And this is my biggest hope that this will resonate, that this will stay. And so hopefully um, we will see much more possibilities in the future. Yeah, I, I think that uh, if anybody can, then definitely women can combine the work and, and family life with kids. Uh, and if you ask those men, that's uh, what I thought about. If you ask the men, how how can they do it? Then they say that they have wives to take care of the kids, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. But I think there are some great husbands that also say, you know what, either I stay at home or I take more responsibility. So I think there's also light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, we talked earlier that uh, lip service or just the, the talk is cheap when it comes to the fixing this this uh, issue. So what what kind of uh, actionable things do, do you see that should be taken to make this leadership, uh, female leadership uh, position better? I think, first of all, it would be very helpful if bigger companies, maybe also smaller ones, but especially for bigger, bigger companies, they should offer support when it comes to childcare, when it comes to uh, daycare for children uh, under the year of three. We are not that good in Germany uh, still. And um, I see it whenever companies are offering that service and they're opening up their own kindergarten or their own, own daycare, That helps so much, and I've seen that in colleagues, in in um, in my team members. Uh, I had single working moms in my teams, and that really helped so much because uh, they could they could work. They knew their kid is just twelve meters away from their working place, and if anything should happen, they're gonna be there. And sometimes even the uh, the husbands are also working at the same company, and so they could really take care. Uh, both the same way and that helped a lot so either opening up your own childcare helps a lot I know that's asked a lot that's an investment but I think it's a good investment it's an investment in the future of your company um, but if you can't do that for any reason uh, even give maybe some benefits or some possibilities um, uh, financially to support for daycare um, This is the one thing. And the other thing is just, you know, establish female support development leadership programs and have your own goals. Each company should have a goal by the end of the year. We will improve our uh, female leader quota by whatever percent. I think it has to be something that's a fixed goal that everybody's working upon. Then there's also this kind of um, hidden, maybe cultural um barriers you mentioned the bbc which is a business pro code <laughs> boys clubs and so on what, what about those 
Um, yeah, I think that's also, that's a culture, a very interesting thing. I mean, the many companies are very male driven, male dominated. And sometimes, of course, also male culture comes into that and, uh, they like to talk, um, within themselves and their own sort of codes or ways how, how boys talk. I mean, I don't really judge it because females have their ways of talking too. But um, if that becomes a business talk, it becomes a little bit difficult because you might not be used to that. You might not understand their sort of um, uh, pictures they use for describing situations or finding solutions for situations that you don't just understand. And um, I think it was when I really started around uh, 11 years ago um, at Perseverance Advance, I felt that a lot. And um, it was quite an open thing and, and it was quite something uh, everybody was proud of in a way. And I personally found that really difficult and it, it was never intentionally meant in any harmful way, but it was difficult to uh, be the only female in the room and to be part of those conversations that you sometimes thought, oh, what is it about now? Are we already talking business or are we still uh, talking small uh, small talk? So I think that's something you're learning and you try to be very alert when it comes to these. So the meeting before the meeting uh, started to become very, very important. Yeah, it's like a structural exclusion. Mm -hmm. um, I, I come from Finland and, and uh, mm -hmm. there's been a long, long time this kind of uh, sauna meeting uh, culture uh, okay. which is mm -hmm. which is very ex uh, excludes all the women of course from the decision making if the decisions are ma made in sauna so uh, that's a little bit similar to this uh, pro code definitely so i don't think we had that sauna culture but it was more like we go for beer you know kind of thing or we watch a football game together and whenever you knew you know there were like five boys not boys, but, you know, five male leaders going to a football game together on Saturday, you would know by Monday you would have some decisions that you were not part of. <laughs> you are a really long-term media professional. How, how did you happen to take this kind of a path as a, as, as a profession? Uh, that sounds so horrible, like long term. I, it doesn't feel like it because uh, the business has changed all the time and it always felt like something very new. And uh, yeah, how did I take that path? I mean, when I was um, still in school, I always wanted to become a vet. Uh, I wanted to be um, a vet on the on the countryside, and then I did an internship at a veterinary there, um, really on the countryside and. It was really interesting, but it was also so physically challenging, <laughs> like uh, helping to get a calf uh, on the way to to uh, be born. So I thought that maybe that's really a little bit a tough job. So uh, the next possibility for me was always journalism because I liked to write. I liked to talk, obviously. Uh, communication was always something I liked. I was uh, writing the um, journal of the students there. I was a speaker of the students in school. So that was my second choice in a way. But also it was then the first choice and so this is how I was really very focused 
on working as a journalist. And I studied political science and Americanistic and communication science. I always wanted to be a political uh, political journalist. Almost worked out. <laughs> not that, not 100%. And um, so I was always at the right time, at the right place. I'm really lucky and I always took the chances at the right time. And I started as a trainee at RTL2. And um, that was a wonderful time because it was at the beginning of the 90s. And it's when the private um, broadcasting industry just started. It, uh, until then, it was mainly the public broadcasters. And then all these private TV channels had launched in the last years. And yeah, it was such a pioneer time. And uh, it was wonderful because... Uh, I started and you had the opportunity to have a good job and a career if you really work very hard right away. And um, this is what I took. And um, I I then became the youngest uh, head of entertainment in uh, German TV business. And yeah, it was, it was a great journey really until today. <laughs> what would you say then now that is the, biggest challenge on, on the media side if, if we uh, take the female leadership is, is obviously one but what, what other kind of challenges are, are you facing now? I think the the media industry is in the biggest transformation um, part uh, since its beginning um, like 40 years ago I would say. Um, I think that um, The digitalization, as we call it, um, is is ruling the world, and the streaming services have put a total new light on the way how we broadcast content, um, how we get the content to the consumer. We are not dependent anymore on uh, analog TV signals or digital TV signals. Um, we are so flexible when it comes to consuming content. You can do it anytime. Anywhere, anyhow, you can do it with your mobile, you can do it with your laptop, with your smart TV, wherever. So that is, I think, for the traditional broadcaster media industry, um, the biggest, biggest challenge in their career. Up till now, um, traditional TV channels still earn a lot of money. And I think that's that's really great and that's good. But um I think the way in the future, within the next three to five, ten years, we will see uh, a change in that. And we will see that the uh, money will mainly also come from digital streaming. And all the big media uh, companies are starting now to really set the path for the future. Some quicker, some a little bit uh, slower. But I think if you don't do it now, it's too late because you have to stay in the game and you have to stay ahead of the game. And unfortunately, at the moment, that game is dictated mainly also through the big American companies like Netflix, like Amazon Prime, like also Apple TV and all of them, because they seem to have unlimited resources <laughs> when it comes to funding great content. And um, I still think that Traditional broadcasting has a great uh, chance here and and has also a task to fulfill within the local markets when it comes to supplying news, magazines, uh, lighthouse uh, projects and all of this. 
but they have to be um, very careful now in which steps they take and they have to invest heavily in their future. Uh, then what about you? You you are working in this kind of a fast-paced, uh, changing environment. How do you keep up with it? Um, I think I've always loved those challenges to learn something new. Um, this is also why I took the chance and, and I'm so happy that I had that opportunity to uh, start uh, and launch a streaming service in the German market. Um, because it's something really new and I learned a lot. So I think the learning never ends and it has never ended in the last 25 years. I think every week there was another aha moment <laughs> in my career and that's great. And this is how you, how you, you stay alert, you know, you're staying, um, part of the game. And of course I'm reading a lot. Uh, I'm talking with many people and this is, Of course, you have a great network now um, after all those years. And um, yeah, you, you hear a lot. <laughs> uh, how, how can our listeners, if they want to like uh, talk a bit more or get, know more about you, how, how can they be in contact with you? Well, I'm I'm there on Facebook. I'm there on on Instagram, on LinkedIn, so uh, they can contact me. Um, I I prefer being contacted via LinkedIn my profile because this is where all the job things come in and I can I can promise whenever anybody will reach out to me and wants to learn more and wants to get some tips I will definitely answer Our podcast the pretzel is about creativity and inspiration how do you get inspired Oh, how do I get inspired? I get really inspired when I see, wow, I can change something. I can disrupt the market. I can conquer new territories. This is what inspires me a lot, always has. Uh, like if it being launching a new channel that has never been in the market before or uh, bringing a new show in the market. Um, I mean, Great content, great storytelling that also inspires me all the time. So these are the things that I love to do. I'm inspired by great teams. Um, I've I've had great, the greatest teams in the world that I've worked with, uh, wonderful people, and they kept on inspiring me every day with new ideas, with their passion and enthusiasm. So um, I think there's a lot that inspires me every day. And then the last question, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity means for me freedom, uh, freedom of expression in every way um, and the possibility to really mean something and the possibility to say something that people are woken up by maybe through a creative uh, work. Um, maybe it could be a film, a series in my case could be a painting in other cases. I think creativity um, has always a meaning. This was the Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren at Huime Production. Our music was made by Sasha Ende. The additional sound was made by Winnie the Mook. Send us feedback by email to feedback at thepretzelpodcast.com. To find the show notes for this episode, see the talk, and to get new episodes right to your phone and your ears, visit thepretzelpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.